0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 2,
1: beginning in verse number 15. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 16, And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them.
0: Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I do want to uh, mention before I forget, and we will have prayer and we'll get into the message. But I do want to mention, uh, I have missed our choir, and uh, we'll get the choir, I know they're starting up, uh, practice next week. I'm not sure if they're singing, but Miss uh, Lydia, she and her family, they've been on vacation, so that's part of the reason for uh, the choir. And then the choir did work so hard for that cantata. We thought they deserved a break, but uh, we're not going to give them a break too long. We're going to get them back to work, and uh, they are such a blessing. And then I want to also uh, thank our church for uh, all that you did for the Lassiter family, Brother Johnny Lassiter uh, went home to be with the Lord uh, Wednesday, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, and we had a service yesterday. If you missed that service, you can go back and watch it on our website or on our Facebook page. Uh, but what an amazing man! And I am so thankful I got to know Brother Johnny and uh, Miss Margaret Laster. Faithful people, godly people, and uh, there's some beautiful flowers out in the lobby that uh, the family. Uh, gave in memory of uh, Brother Johnny, and I hope you'll continue to pray for them. And then I also want to uh, remind you of the Christmas gift to Jesus, and some have already uh, participated in that, but I'd ask you to pray about what God would have you to do here uh, this uh, Christmas time, and uh, we, we try to talk about that every year, and uh, there are envelopes in the pews, but you can do it online, you can do it however you uh, would choose, and we'll, we'll talk about that probably again next Sunday. And then uh, from our staff, we want to uh, thank all of you for being a blessing to us, and we hope you have a Merry Christmas. We normally have all the Christmas cards out in the lobbies, but uh, we just went ahead and mailed them out this year. So if you didn't already get them, you should be getting those Christmas cards. And if you did not get the Christmas cards, I promise it was not intentional. So if you'll let us know, we'll make sure uh, to mail those to you. Maybe we don't have the right address or uh, maybe it got lost in the mail or whatever. Maybe on our end, it may have been a problem. So just let us know. Uh, but we love each and every one of you that are watching, uh, those that are listening on the radio and every one of you here. We love you and we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas uh, if we don't get to see you before uh, Christmas time again. I want you to notice, if you would, In Luke chapter 2, we see an amazing story. We've we've preached about it here for a couple weeks. We were in Matthew last Sunday night. We were in Luke last Sunday morning. And I want you to especially notice the verses that Brother Dan read for us. We see what I will call this morning some important lessons from shepherds. Now, I do not know much about sheep, and that's an understatement. I don't know anything about sheep. Uh, but I have read a few books about sheep, so that would basically qualify me as a, an expert on sheep, right, if you've, if you've read some books, or especially if you've ever Googled it. If you've Googled it, then you really, you know all about it. And um, so I don't mean to brag, and I certainly don't want to, um, to impress you too much. I don't want it to be overboard, but I've learned a few things from reading about sheep, and I know that sheep are not very smart. How many of you already knew that? Let me see your hands, all right. Well, some of you didn't know it. You learned something at church today. Uh, Sheep are not very smart, and so therefore the shepherd has to be extra patient with the sheep. Now, here's what's amazing. You know who our shepherd is? God. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know who the sheep are? It's us. And we're not very smart sometimes. Well, let me say it this way. I'm not very smart sometimes. I, I shouldn't speak for you. But I know I do some things and I say some things that I look back and say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I didn't even think it was smart at the time I said it, let alone after. But you know, aren't you glad that God's patient with us? Aren't you glad that he is the loving kind? He is the good shepherd. Not only only is he patient with us, but he loves us. The Bible says the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And Jesus gave his life on the cross as the shepherd. He came uh, to seek after that one lost sheep. You say, who was that? That was you. That was me. And I'm so glad that he, he sought till he found that one lost sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. A sheep must have a, a shepherd that can guide them and a, a shepherd that can provide for them and a shepherd that can care for them and I'll tell you what you may you may think you don't need God and maybe your life is so put together that you've got it all figured out but I'll tell you one person that needs the Lord that's me I need him every day and I need him to provide for me I need him to lead me and guide me I need his hand upon me and 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 I am a I'm I'm the sheep and he is the shepherd and I'm glad that he cares for me They say when you read about and study about sheep, and I spoke to our children about a month or so ago about this in the children's choir, but they say that sheep can recognize the voices of humans and they can recognize up to 50 different voices and they can identify a person, not by seeing them, but they can identify that person just by the voice. It's amazing because Jesus said in John 10, He said, my sheep hear my voice. I tell you, I hope that you recognize the shepherd by his voice. I hope you recognize it when God speaks. I hope that you can identify and say, hey, that's God speaking to me. That's the Holy Spirit showing me something. That's the Holy Spirit working in my life. And I hope that you don't ever tune out the voice of God. But as the sheep, may we recognize his voice. I'm thankful for some lessons that we can learn from some shepherds. This morning, I'd like to look at Luke chapter two and I'd like to show you five lessons that I believe we can learn from these shepherds. These shepherds, the Bible says that these shepherds in verse number 15, after they heard the announcement, after the angels appeared to them and they said, hey, the savior is born, the Messiah is come. After they heard that, the Bible says in verse number 15, they said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And then we get to verse number 20. It says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and I pray that we would not miss these lessons from the shepherds. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I pray that we would receive that instruction. I pray we would receive that correction. And I pray that we would receive that doctrine that we so desperately need today. And I pray that you'd help us Lord, if anyone is here this morning or listening this morning or watching this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, may they get that settled today. And Lord, for that one who may be listening, who's wandered far away from God, I pray today would be the day that they would come home and they would get things right. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to see quickly, number one, I believe we see a lesson from the shepherds, a lesson on decision-making. You know, these shepherds, in verse number 15, they were faced with a choice. Their choice was they had received the announcement, they had received the good news, and the angels had appeared and said, hey, the Savior is born, but they were then faced with a choice of what they were going to do with the announcement that they had been given. You're here this morning, and can I say, you're faced with some choices, I'm faced with some choices. Every day we are faced with choices, and I can't make the choice for you, and you can't make the choice for me. Uh, you, can't, you can't depend on a family member to always make the choices, or a pastor or a coworker or a neighbor. but you must make the choice for yourself. The Bible tells us that they made the choice, verse 15. They said, "Let us now go." They said, "We're going." Uh, We're not going to sit around and talk about it. We're not going to sit around and, and debate it. But we must go to where Jesus is. They made a good decision. They made the right decision. They made an immediate decision. And I'll say this, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you're right, I need to make a decision about salvation or I need to make a decision about serving God, but I can't make it now. I'll make it after Christmas. I'll make it after the first of the year. I'll make it when things get back to normal. Friend, I got news for you. If you don't make the right decision today, you may never make the right decision. If you're here and you're lost or you're watching this service or you're listening on the radio and you don't know for sure where you will spend eternity, it's up to you. It's not a guessing game. It's not a a flip a coin and see what happens. Oh no, Jesus died on the cross for you. He shed His blood for you, and the choice is up to you whether or not you receive Him or whether or not you reject Him, but that is your choice. And if you don't make the choice today to get saved, you may never have another chance to make it, or you may get another chance to make it, but you still may not make the right choice if you don't make the decision today. God's Word makes it very clear, you can't put off salvation the apostle Paul spoke to those Roman rulers and those Roman rulers, one said, hey, not now. Uh, when it's convenient, we'll, we'll get it figured out then. Uh, can I tell you, you can't make excuses and you can't keep making, uh, giving reasons of for why you're not gonna get saved. Today is the day. Please, please trust Christ today. There's a decision that you must make to serve God. Once you've been saved, it's your choice of whether or not you're gonna live for God or you're gonna live for yourself. Joshua said it like this in Joshua 24, 15. He said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But Joshua said this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You got to make the choice and you got to make the choice today. It's your decision. I've told the story before, but when uh, we were growing up, uh, our family had a, a good friend uh, and, and his wife and their kids. His name was Dion. And Dion was, uh, I thought he was the coolest guy around because he owned a McDonald's restaurant. Now, when you're a kid, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, McNuggets and Happy Meals and milkshakes whenever you want it. You know, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, heaven on earth. You know, the marriage supper has come down, you know, the manna every day. And uh, I remember we went over to their house for a meal once. And I'm just assuming if you own a McDonald's, we're going to have McDonald's when we go to your house to eat. That's just my assumption. Well, guess what? We didn't have McDonald's. That'll tell you something right there, right? And uh, uh, we're we're there and we're we're at the house and he he picks up the phone and he he starts dialing a number and he says, hey, what do you guys want to eat? And I'm thinking, oh, McDonald's delivery, you know. This was DoorDash before it came around and uh, uh, Uber Eats or whatever, you know, and, and he said, what do you want to eat? And he said, hey, he said, what do you want on your pizza? And I'm thinking, well, that's not McDonald's. McDonald's doesn't have pizza, at least not yet, but you never know. And uh, he said, what do you want on your pizza? And I was there and my sister, Julie, she's over in the uh, junior church and, and, and he looked at us, you know, I'm probably five or six years old. She would have been, I guess, three or four years old. I mean, we were young. I mean, we were little. But he's asking us what we want on our pizza. And, you know, most kids know what they like on their pizza. And I looked at him. I just shrugged my shoulders. Whatever, you know. I just, whatever, you know. And uh, I remember he put the phone down. And he was a nice, nice, kind man, all that. He was not being rude. But he put the phone down. He said, hey, Jeremy, I gotta tell you something. He said, you're never gonna be successful in life till you learn how to make a decision. Make a decision, you know. (laughs) take pepperoni, please. (laughs) But I have never forgotten that. And I was not that old, but he said, hey, you got to make a decision or you'll never be successful in life. I got news for you. You and I will never be successful in the Christian life until we learn how to make a decision. You can take it business, family and all that, but you got to make a decision. Friend, the choice is yours. You have an opportunity, and I have an opportunity today to say, yes, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember as a boy, I remember watching the uh, NFL football games on Sunday afternoons, and this was before DVR and all that, and, you know, your, your team, it's a close game, but, up, oh, got to go to church, so, you know, we'll just find out later who won. But uh, I remember on those Sunday afternoon games, I remember that they had a, a program that would come on during those games, and they would, uh, would, they would show you a play that was very controversial or a play that was very close, and they would show you all of the different angles and all the different camera views and all that, and then they would show you the play, and then they would say, now you make the call. I don't know how long they did that, but I remember it very, very vividly, they, they, they let you be the referee. You get to make the call. And was it a touchdown or was it a fumble or was it an, you know, whatever. And they would say, you make the call. Well, I got news for you. You have to make the call. You have to make the choice. Nobody can make it for you. It is the choice that God has given you. I think about salvation. You have to decide. It's your call. You make the decision. Are you going to get saved or not? What about your relationship with God? You decide. It's your call. You're as close to God today as you choose to be. God says if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. It's not up to God. It's not that God doesn't want to be close to you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you, but he gives you the choice. I think about in your marriage and if and in your family. You have to decide are you going to, uh, to, to make that marriage work? You're going to have to decide. Are you going to love that spouse? Are you going to love those children? You're going to have to decide. I can't make it for you. The decision of serving God, the decision of church attendance. I, I, I preach this, I always preach the same message to the drive-in crowd. But I told our drive-in crowd and I, everybody listening and watching on the radio, I am so thankful for folks that are coming to the drive-in. I'm thankful for folks that are watching online and listening. I'm thankful for you being here. But however you're coming or however you're connected to church, you can't put church on the back burner. Church is God's plan. So you got to say, hey, by the grace of God, every Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be listening. I'm not just going to let it go. I'm not just going to let it slide. I want to keep it a priority of worshiping God and hearing the preaching and teaching. It wasn't my idea. We didn't come up with church because we had nothing else to do. The church is God's plan for his people and I encourage you to stay faithful to watch and I thank you for so many that do and so many that text and comment and for so many notes and so many people that call and say, hey, we're listening, we're watching. Can I tell you, that encourages me. But can I tell you, it helps you. It helps you to be what God wants you to be. You must decide on your giving. You must decide to, to be faithful. You must decide how you're going to serve God. We've got a lot of our teens that are in the service, and I know we've got a lot of our young people out in the junior churches. But you know, teens have to decide that they're going to live Pure. Teens have to decide that they're going to live holy. Teens must make the decision to live for God and teens must make the decision to honor their parents and teens must make those choices. Can I tell you mom and dad will make choices for you for a while. A youth pastor will help you with choices and a Sunday school teacher will help you but there's coming a day when it's going to be up to you and you must make the choice of living for God or living for yourself. Maybe you're here this morning and listening this morning and Maybe there's some things you need to give up. Maybe it's time to make the choice to give up some things. Maybe you're here and it's time for you to make the decision on giving up your cussing. Maybe you need to make some decisions about giving up some bitterness. Maybe there's some decisions about giving up your gossip. Maybe it's just become a part of your life. Maybe you need to give a, make a decision this morning about giving up your pride. Maybe there's immorality that's in your life that nobody knows about, but maybe God's speaking to your heart and saying it's time to give it up. It's time to get it right. Maybe you need to give up lying. I'm amazed at how so many people, uh, they, they, they begin to lie and it becomes a habit and it becomes a way of life and they get to a point where they can't tell the truth. It seems like everything that comes out of their mouth is just another lie or another this or another that. God wants us to be truthful. God demands that we be honest and God demands that we say and speak those things that are true. It's your choice. You better give it up. It's your choice to give up stealing. Maybe you're here and maybe nobody knows, but maybe you're stealing from your workplace or maybe you're stealing from a family member or maybe you're stealing from a friend. Uh, You say, oh no, not in church. Well, yeah, maybe in church. But God speaks and God will will, will show you some things in your life and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you've got to make the choice to give it up. Maybe you need to make up the choice to give up worldliness. Maybe there is some weight or some sin that so easily besets you. It's your decision. You must make the choice to live for God. I heard this story years ago and I just recently found it again and I, I, I think it goes along with the thought here. But you know, you'll make a decision sometimes to live for God and sometimes you wonder if it's worth it. Sometimes you'll make a decision to live for God and it seems like everybody else is having a good time and everybody else is living it up and you feel like, man, it's just it's, it's not really worth it to serve God. There was a man that felt that way. He was a missionary in Africa for over 40 years. His name was Henry Morrison. Henry Morrison and his wife returned to New York on a boat And uh, they uh, got there to the dock and they saw that there was a crowd of people that had gathered outside waiting for the passengers to unload. They were there celebrating and they were there and the missionaries, they saw that crowd and they thought, isn't this amazing? There's some people here to welcome us home after 40 years on the mission field. And they did not know that on board that ship was President Teddy Roosevelt returning from a big game hunt in Africa. And the crowds were not there for the missionaries. The crowds were there to welcome home the president from that hunt. And as they got off and the crowds cheered and the bands played and the uh, reporters came to the president to talk to him, they, nobody even noticed the missionaries getting off that boat. They went down and got in a taxi and they went to a one-bedroom apartment that the mission board had lined up for them when they returned. They went to that apartment and Henry told his wife, he said, it's just, it's not right. He said, it's just not right. It's not fair that we have given our lives to serve God and and we get back after 40 years and people are more excited about a president coming back from hunting than people that have given their lives for God. And his wife tried to talk to him and she tried to console him, but she said, Henry, she said, you need to talk to God about this. You need to get this settled because if you don't get this settled... She said, you're going to be bitter and you won't be effective and we won't be able to, to, to be used by God. And she said, Henry, just take whatever time you need, but you need to get this settled between you and God. Henry went back in the bedroom and he began to pray fervently, pouring out his heart to the Lord. Came back, it wasn't that long. and His wife could tell from the look on his face that things were better. She said, Henry, she said, uh, what do you think? What, how do you feel and what did God tell you? And Henry said, I spent some time talking to the Lord and I said, Lord, it's not fair that when we get home there's no recognition and there's no applause and there's nobody there to cheer for us and it's not fair that when we get home all of this happens for a president from hunting instead of missionaries from the foreign field. And Henry said, it was as if the Lord told me. He said, Henry, you're not home yet. And can I tell you, friend, we're not home yet. There may be a lot of recognition that you'll never get. There may be a lot of thanks you'll never get. There may be a lot of things you do that go unnoticed down here. But I promise you this, when we get to heaven, your labor will be rewarded. Your faithfulness will be rewarded. I thought about this so much yesterday with Brother Johnny Lasseter as that casket stood in front of this pulpit. And I'm sure over the years, I'm sure there were people that recognized Brother Johnny for his faithfulness and Uh, Brother Dan, I saw a Facebook thing come up from two years ago where you were down here in the front. We were honoring him for all those faithful years as a deacon. Just a little plaque of some kind. It wasn't anything much. I don't know if Brother Johnny ever got the recognition down here, but whether he did or not, it really doesn't matter because man's applause and man's recognition is very empty. But the praise of God... And the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, those are words that matter and those are words that we want to hear. And when we get home, can I tell you, it will be worth it all for serving Jesus. The shepherds teach us a lesson about making a decision. They said, let us now go. We've got to go. We've got to do something. We've got to go now to Jesus. Number two, they teach us a lesson about direction. The direction, the Bible says, that they said, let us go now to Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem, that was the place where God was working. That was the place where Jesus was. And can I tell you, friend, our direction... Our life ought to be lived going to where Jesus is. Our life ought to be about, I want to be in the middle of where God is working. I, whether it's here or whether it's on a foreign field or no matter where it may be, if God is there and God is at work, that's where I want to be. Our direction is so important. Jonah was called of God. God said, Jonah, rise and go to Nineveh and preach. And Jonah rose And he went down to Joppa and he got on a boat and he went the opposite direction from Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. And I know this story and you know the story that Jonah got things right and Jonah eventually went to Nineveh and the people of Nineveh got saved. But don't you know for Jonah, don't you know that things could have been a whole lot easier and it could have been a whole lot better. And I'm glad that Jonah got a second chance, but what if he had not gotten a second chance? What would have happened to those people? What would have happened to Jonah? Can I tell you, let's go the direction that God calls us to go. Let's do what God wants. Let's be where God wants us to be. How's your direction this morning? I want to ask you, are you getting closer to God? Or are you getting further away from God? That's up to you, but your direction is so important. The shepherd said, we're going to Bethlehem. We're going where Jesus is. Number three, we see a lesson about desire. The Bible says in verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Nobody had to drag those shepherds to Bethlehem. It wasn't three days later and they're like, yeah, well, one of these, one of these days we're going to get on over there to Bethlehem and yeah, we're working on it. Oh no, there was desire. There was a passion there was a, an intense burning in their heart. They said, we got to go. We got to go now. And we've got to go in a hurry to get where Jesus is. It's amazing to me. And I know we do have uh, uh, our teens that are in here and some of our children. And then we have some in the junior churches. And I understand. I understand this, it can be this way at times. But maybe there's days where you don't feel like going to church. But you know, in my house growing up, it wasn't an option. We didn't wake up Sunday morning and say, yeah, we don't feel like going to church today. We were going to church, whether we felt like it or not. Now, I understand that may be the case sometimes, but I hope for our young people, I hope there comes a time and I hope that time has already arrived where you say, I want to go to church. I want to be in God's house. I want to worship the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. I want to be where God is. I want to do I want God to do something in my life. And hopefully there's not any husbands here who you got dragged to church cuz you didn't want to go and your wife made you go. But maybe that's the case or maybe vice versa. Can I tell you there ought to be a desire in every one of our hearts to say I want to get to the house of God. I want to watch the service. I want to listen to the service. I want to be a part of what God is doing at the church. Can I tell you there ought to be a desire? It's amazing when it is something that you want to do. It's amazing how many reasons you have why you should do it. But when it's something you don't want to do, it's amazing how many excuses you can come up with for why you can't. The shepherds, they said, we're going. Their desire was to get to Jesus. Their desire was to see what God was doing. Number one, a lesson on decisions. Number two, a lesson on direction. Number three, a lesson on desire. But then number four, I see a lesson on their declaration. The Bible says in verse number uh, 18, excuse me, verse 17, that when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They didn't keep it secret. They didn't keep it under wraps. And by the way, uh, try keeping a secret around a Baptist church. Good luck with that. You say, well, I know how to keep a secret. I tell people, I'm going to tell you, but don't tell anybody else. Let me tell you how that works. That's exactly the wording they use when they tell the next person. I'm going to tell you, but don't tell anybody else. Try keeping a secret. These shepherds, they weren't keeping a secret. They made known abroad the saying. And if you study Luke 2, nowhere did the angel say, go and tell. Now, I think it was assumed, and I think it was a good thing to do. But nowhere were, were they commanded, you go tell everybody you know. But they did it anyway. You know why? It was big news, it was exciting. They were so thrilled that they got to see Jesus. They were so thrilled that the Messiah had come. And can I tell you, when it's on your mind, you can't help but tell people about it. When you're excited about it, when it's a big deal to you, you can't help but tell somebody the good news. The shepherds teach us a lesson about a declaration. We have been given a great commission. We have been given instructions to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Lastly, I see a lesson on demeanor. The Bible says in verse number 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now, it says the shepherds returned. What that means is they went back home. They went back to their family. They went back to their friends. They went back to their routine. They went back to their schedule. That means that they were glorifying and worshiping God even after they left church. So for them, it wasn't just, I'm gonna put on my my worship and I'm gonna put on my smile and I'm gonna put on the lingo on Sunday and then Monday, I'll just go back to what I was doing before. Oh no, for these shepherds, it was 24 seven. They returned, they got home, they got back and they were still glorifying and praising God. They were so thankful for what they got to see. They were so thankful for what they heard. These shepherds were not the wealthiest, but they were probably the happiest. They weren't the smartest, but they were the most joyful. They didn't just talk about God at church. They talked about God everywhere they went. I was speaking this week to one of our church members, and he was telling me about years ago when he and his wife, when they came to Victory Baptist Church, they'd been a part of some other churches, and and by the way, Victory Baptist Church is not the only church, and uh, there's other good churches and all of that. I, I happen to be biased, and I happen to believe it's the best, but, you know, you can think what you want. That's just how I feel about it. But this uh, church member was talking about when years ago when he and his wife started coming to the church, and he said, you know, I've been in some other churches, and he said, I've been around some other, other people at work and, and different things. But he said, when we came to Victory Baptist Church, he said, it, it just seemed like the people that we knew and the people that we got to know at Victory Baptist Church, he said, they live like Christians during the week too. He said, it wasn't just a Sunday thing. It wasn't just a put on and then, okay, we leave, we can go live however we want. And you know what I say to that? Praise God. That's the way it ought to be. And I hope that's the way it is. And I hope when people come to Victory Baptist Church, I hope it's a good first impression, but I hope that's not all it is. I hope that the longer they get to know you and the longer they get to be around you, I hope they can see that there's something in us that's real and there's genuine and there's something in us that is not just a put on. It's not just a show, but it comes from the inside and it works its way out because we have a demeanor and a spirit that is glorifying and praising God. I'm not surprised that the world is depressed. That shouldn't surprise us. That does sometimes. I'm not surprised that the world is depressed. I would be depressed too if I didn't know Jesus. I'd be depressed too if I didn't know where I was going when I died. I'd be depressed too if I didn't know what was right and what was wrong and what was true. and If I didn't have any basis or any foundation, I'd be depressed too. But can I tell you, as Christians, our demeanor ought to be one of glorifying and praising God because guess what? We do know Jesus. Hallelujah. We know we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. We know that God loves us. We know that God answers prayer. We know that we have the Bible. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that Jesus is in control. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. I tell you, I want to be one who is glorifying and praising God. Not just on Sunday. Now, I want to do it on Sunday. But I want it to be on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I want it to be every day, everywhere I go. I want to have the joy of the Lord. And I want people to know that God's been good to me. And I'm not ashamed to tell others about that God and what He did for me, He can do for them.